Good morning. I, I'm so glad that I made it, yeah, right, <laughs> to be with you. I mean, not even time, just the day. Finally, I can be with you. And uh, it's good to see those of you I know for probably more than 10 years now, probably like 15 years. You're the same young as uh, always. Uh, you know, the more like mature I'm getting age-wise, the more there are young people in the world, you know. <laughs> That's just like, uh, this world is getting younger and younger. <laughs> anyway, uh, I let me start with some, uh, some updates uh, regarding our ministry. You probably, uh, some of you reading our, uh, my prayer letters uh, or get updated through Ryan Huckel or through some other sources. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my base is uh, Germany in Berlin, and my main focus of ministry is to the Jewish people. In Berlin, I'm leading a mission organization called Beit Sash Shalom. It's international ministry to uh, Jewish people, and we have very multifaceted uh, ministry from evangelism through discipleship and congregational planting, teaching, uh, educating, uh, humanitarian aid, so witness with word and deed, uh, but also all the way through theological education, uh, offering Master of Arts in Jewish Studies through Dallas Theological Seminary in Europe. And uh, mentioning Dallas Theological Seminary, as uh, you probably, some of you know, I'm Director of Jewish Studies at Dallas Theological seminary on a site, so I'm commuting to Dallas uh, once a month. Uh, this is my uh, weeks or week and a half usually commute uh, to Dallas uh, this time. And by vocational, I'm a rabbi, of, uh, I'm the rabbi or senior rabbi of the Messianic congregation in Berlin. Uh, well, I can list some other things that I'm doing, but I feel that I need to reduce my activities significantly, especially the more younger people in the world they are, you know what I mean, mean by that, the more I need to focus on some certain activities. But I can't because there is so much exciting stuff going on. And uh, to some new projects uh, that we are doing right now is uh, I'm just like, passionate about starting a main Jewish studies in Spanish. God is opening doors uh, for me to speak at uh, General Assembly of uh, Latin Evangelical Alliance in Brazil, and I'm talking to uh, some uh, leadership of Dallas Theological Seminary to offer this degree in Spanish, what would be sort of like easy play, but, you know, with big schools, it's not always easy. Maybe it's easy, but it's slow and long. Uh, we'll see how it uh, goes, but uh, in, uh, in the Spanish-speaking world, there are many Jewish people living in, like, in Central and South America, but uh, there is very little ministry done among them, and there are almost uh, non-existent messianic movement. There are many Christians who have different, I would say, strange, if not weird, ideas about what Jewish or Messianic is, and they play as Jewish, or just they, they emulate Jewish, but they are not Jewish themselves. But at the same time, uh, it's a time to teach them about uh, Jesus as the King of the Jews, the Jewish dimension of the Gospel, and uh, also uh, love to the Jewish people, 
just uh, to love Jewish people more than they might love some Jewish traditions, even and to share the gospel with them. So uh, I don't know how God leads that in the uh, in the months and years to come, but it's something what I have on a car uh, on my heart. Also, we are restructuring now uh, our ministry in Germany, or mission organization in Germany, going uh, from 2D uh, charts, you know, like uh, uh, like boxes, uh, errors between them, connections. So the char organizational chart is usually uh, 2D. We are going to 3D. Uh, chart. So now it's like a ball of connecting. So we we call it from an uh, from an organization to uh, to the organism. So we, uh, it's like a body now, and uh, in uh, we are doing that in order to uh, grow organically and naturally, not just as vocational ministry, as uh, but also as bivocational ministry, giving people an opportunity to reach their best in reaching people with the gospel, uh, even if they invest like four hours a week or less uh, in, in this ministry, but grow our team. And our team in Germany for years consists to at least a half of uh, the people who do that bivocationally. What you know probably in, uh, in some churches or here in marathon class, so you do ministry in the class, but it's not necessary that you're in paid position uh, for that. What is good for the churches is also, I believe, good for the mission organizations. And uh, I, uh, I think that we can uh, change the, the way we do ministry uh, by that. And uh, my thesis or my idea, in this, what I say in this regard is, there is, uh, uh, you remember Jesus was uh, saying, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, a few. So pray for God to send more workers. And I do believe that this prayer was already answered. There are many workers, but they are insecure. They don't know the, uh, how to start. They don't, uh, they don't, uh, they don't secure enough. They, they think that they need more education, more training, more uh, skills, uh, or more money, or just whatever. So I think, I think that my ta task or task of us is to motivate more people to join the team, to join the ministry, and to see that uh, God can work through them miracles, and miracles of ministry, miracles of, uh, of outreach. And uh, actually, uh, just to fulfill their best in the ministry. Pray, uh, pray for this. I don't know how it, uh, it will go again. I'm just like, it's what's on my heart. And uh, I pursue that. Usually it's my way of doing things. Just I have something on the heart. I'm going there. The problem is I'm piling the activities. <laughs> I, I just, it's like one on the top of the other. Well, so far can't resist. Uh, by, by the grace of God. Now, uh, talk, uh, talking of uh, some main like directions uh, that I'm uh, again I'm I have in my mind for the years to come. One direction I uh, I already told about uh, just 
sort of challenging the status quo of missions in the Western world, particularly Jewish missions. And another, I already mentioned briefly here, I think that the church needs to know Jesus as a Jew. It's relevant, it's important, not just for the exegesis. It's like we know that Jesus is 100% God, right? And he is also 100% Jewish. <laughs> yeah, just like, it's not what you usually hear, right? So he's 100% human, he's 100% man. Yes, but he's, it means he's 100% Jewish. I mean, at least mother's side, you know? So everything what he got uh, by flesh, it's Jewish. His mom was 100% Jewish, not just one grandparent, all the grandparents, you know? So he could actually live in Israel and emigrate to Israel even today, uh, and halachically Jewish, so like would be recognized by the Jewish community as a Jew because his mother is Jewish. Listen, if Jesus is Jewish, it's not just exegetical importance to that. It has implications to our life in general. His humanity matters, right? So his Jewishness does as well. So this is one thing that uh, I, I want to pursue theologically in the like in teaching believers, be those Gentiles or Jews. Another thing, the gospel is the good news for the Jews. Would you say amen to that? Good. Because uh, everything what we see in the Bible regarding the gospel is to the Jew first. Not just time-wise, not just priority-wise, but it just, everybody, of, like Jesus was born, Everybody was rejoicing, sort of, and everybody was Jewish. If we read the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, they are mostly about the restoration of Israel, the restoration of the Jewish people. And according to the prophets of the Old Testament, the restoration of the Jewish people means healing of the whole world. The Jewish people, the people of Israel are restored, the whole world is blessed. And it's not just the Old Testament. It's also in the New Testament. Just remember the gospel, the gospel story, as Jesus was brought in the into the temple as the baby. What the, uh, Simon said about, about him, the light for the gent of the revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel, it goes together. There is no, the gospel, I mean, there is no salvific plan of God. There is no salvation of the world without this salvation being the restoration of Israel, essentially, and first. And the church, unfortunately, doesn't know that. And it creates a certain hole in the, uh, in the gospel understanding, in the salvation of God and understanding. It's like, you know, it, somebody compares in this case, it's like a bagel. The gospel is like bagel, bagel, it has a hole in it. 
It has to be changed. Remember what Paul was, uh, the Apostle Paul was writing in Romans chapter 11. He says, if the fact that the Jewish people rejected Jesus means the salvation for so many Gentiles, as we see, right? How much more it will be the case, like salvation and blessing for the Gentiles, if the Jewish people will accept Jesus? It's like the life from the dead, he says. You probably remember uh, what uh, the passage I'm, I'm talking about. So the gospel is the good news for the Jews. And it needs to be restored in the Christian theology, in the Christian practical theology, in Christian uh, understanding, in the understanding of all believers. So that's also what I theologically have on my heart. Now, with all that uh, being said, uh, I'm coming to the topic that I was going to talk to in this moment. After, yeah, it's still morning. Uh, so this, this late morning about, okay? Uh, and uh, what I'm going to do after I speak, I want to uh, leave like 10, 15 minutes for like interaction, for questions and answers, because uh, I don't like monologue uh, lecturing. It's sort of, well, <laughs> and, and we're learning more when we have what Jewish people call bait midrash, we interact, we debate, we discuss, we disagree maybe, we question each other, it's, it's good, we grow by that. Uh, tonight, there is a special holiday, uh, holiday begins, and the holiday is called Yom Kippur. Do you know what, uh, what Yom Kippur is? So-called, uh, so the, the translation is the Day of Atonement, so the sin is going to be covered. It's the most solemn, the most important holiday, one of the most, well, every holiday is important, every appointed time with God is important. But this one is very important because it, in a Jewish mindset, determines how our life is going to be looking like in this new Jewish year that just began like nine days ago. This is the day when our destiny, let's say, for the, this new year will be sealed, and it depends on our return to the Lord, on our repentance and the sin to be covered. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunate for you, I don't have time to discuss all the Jewish traditions related to that. But just let me give you some thoughts in this regard. What we usually do. We fast. It's the most rigorous fasting of the Jewish calendar. Uh, the Jewish people, traditionally, we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't do anything what brings us uh, some pleasure. We uh, don't even uh, dress comfortably, uh, don't take shower, don't even wash your <laughs> So it's just like, yeah, I know, horrible. Uh, <laughs> That's why, that's why I took good shower this morning, because tomorrow, <laughs> tonight and tomorrow morning, just forget about it. Well, but uh, anyway, it's, it's very rigorous, very, very severe fasting, because this is the day, as the Bible says, we need to humble ourselves. And the Jewish tradition interprets humbling ourselves as fasting. 
we humble ourselves in setting aside the pleasures that we usually have in, in our life. Everything what we might like or enjoy, it's not for today. This is, uh, this is the day when God is going, we hope, to forgive us. Let me read something from the Bible about this. And uh, do you remember the chapter that, uh, in the Torah, in the Old Testament, that describes all the feasts of the Lord? Do you remember? Do you remember the books? The book? Leviticus, yes, good. And Leviticus what? Leviticus 23. The Day of Atonement. Uh, the description starts Leviticus 23, verse 26 and following. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, on exactly the tenth day of this seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, and you shall humble your souls and present an offering by fire to the Lord. You shall not do any work on this same day, for it is a day of atonement. To make atonement on your behalf before the Lord your God. If there is any person who will not humble himself on this same day, he shall be cut off from his people. As for any person who does not work on this same day, who does any work, sorry, on this same day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall do not work at all. It is to be a, a perpetual statute throughout your generations, in all your dwelling places. It is to be a Sabbath, or the rest of complete rest to you. Shabbat, Shabbaton. So it's Shabbat of all Shabbats. And you shall humble your souls on the ninth of the month at the evening, from evening until evening, you shall keep your Shabbat. So this is, uh, this is serious, right? What, what have you noticed? What, what is your observation when you read it? What should we do on this day? Humble ourselves, it's already mentioned. What else? No work. No work at all. Nothing, uh, I mean, nothing, well, no work, by no means, because the one who is going to work will be cut off of the people. Also, there is a very special temple, uh, or was very special service in the temple. This service is described in Leviticus chapter 16. In the preparation uh, to this special day on God's calendar, starting tonight, I would encourage you this afternoon to read this, uh, this chapter, uh, Leviticus chapter 16. But I will give you a brief overview. The high priest, the only one man, 
And only this day a year could enter the Holy of Holies in order to bring the sacrifice before the Lord. If you read this passage before, maybe you remember what was the sacrifice for or for whom was the sacrifice. Do you remember? First, for himself and for his house. So he was bringing the sacrifice to cover his sin. And then the second was the sacrifice for the people of Israel, for the whole nation, not for like this family person or for that family person, for the entire nation, for all the people. The one who was not humbling himself, not joining the people in this national, I would say, humbling and repentance would be cut off of this. So whose sin could be covered on that day, according to the Torah, according to the Bible? Of those who belong to the people, but the people who humble themselves. Because everybody else who does work and doesn't humble himself cut off of the people. So this is the day of the national atonement. That's very, that's very important. And you, uh, and you will see uh, why. When we talk of salvation, of atonement, of redemption, we usually speak of our personal. Just it's, it's about me. And for those of you who know me, you know what I'm saying in this regard. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about us. We are saved in the body of the Messiah. We are not saved by just individually, just by ourselves. Only in the body of the Messiah. The Catholic Church says there is no salvation outside of the church. And I would say it all depends what church you mean by that. <laughs> but what yeah, I know from the Bible is there is no salvation outside of the body of the Messiah. Because the Spirit of God who gives us new birth, this Spirit immerse us, as we read in the New Testament, into the body. First Corinthians, right? So we are immersed placed in the body. So I cannot be saved just like an, uh, just me and I don't need anybody else. I just, there is nobody around. Jesus loves me and that's it. I don't care for others. No, it doesn't work. The salvation and redemption in the Bible is mostly communal. So we together as a body. Just think about this for a second before I move on. The same as with the people of Israel. This is the day of the national atonement. You remember the book that uh, deals with, uh, with the day of atonement in the Bible the most? The book that I would call even the liturgy, the book of liturgy, so-called so Mahzor. Jewish liturgy for the Day of Atonement. You don't remember? When I say the name of this book, you will, you will, uh, what? 
Leviticus is a good book uh, describing that. But there is a liturgy. I mean, the messianic. Oh, that's beautiful book, Psalms. But the book that I mean in the Bible is Hebrews. Why? Because everything what is there, or most of this book, is dealing with the Day of Atonement. The image, images, symbols, events, terminology, everything is mostly from the, uh, from the Day of Atonement. So the book of Hebrews is speaking about this national atonement for the Jewish people, for the people of Israel. That's why it's written to Hebrews. It's uh, written to the Jewish disciples of Yeshua, of Jesus. And do you remember what is there said about the, uh, the high priest? Who is our high priest? Jesus. <laughs> he's our high priest and he's the most perfect high priest. Why? Because he is blameless, no sin, he is full of compassion, he experienced everything, he can understand our suffering, our struggle, he understands how miserable our previous year could be. He is the one who the best fits to give us or to bring us this atonement. How many times he should go into the Holy of Holies? Just once. Why? Because it's written he didn't have a need to bring the sacrifice for his sin. So it spared one trip into the Holy of Holies for him. So he could uh, bring sacrifice directly for us. The next, what we, uh, what we need, the sacrifice. In the book of Leviticus, we read about like bulls. We read about the goats. There were two goats, by the way. One uh, it was brought in the, in the temple as a sacrifice. The other one... Uh, so-called uh, also escape God. Escape God. So just like, uh, and <laughs> we use it sometimes in the language for different meanings, right? Uh, so uh, the hands of the priest was placed on that God, and the priest was usually saying, the sin of the people, our sin, are on him. On this, on, it, on, this, uh, on this goat. And then this goat was brought into the desert to die there. And the Jewish tradition says when the goat died, there was a, like a purple uh, piece of cloak in the temple that was getting white. It's so-called, uh, like in, in our rabbinic tradition, and our history, it's remembered and so-called miracle of Yom Kippur, of the Day of Atonement. The cloak was getting, or the ribbon, it was like a ribbon. It was getting white from the purple, from red, into, uh, into, the, into white. When I think of this scapegoat, I remember what is written in Isaiah 53 about Yeshua, about Jesus. We all were like sheep, went astray, on our different ways. And the Lord put the sin of all of us on, on the servant, suffering servant 
of God in this prophecy of Isaiah 53 that points to Jesus. And listen to this terminology. He placed the sin of us, like all of us. It's almost the same what was said about this, about this goat. So Jesus actually fulfills not just Passover sacrifice, not just sin sacrifice. He also fulfills the scapegoat sacrifice and many other. He fulfills everything. And that's what actually also meant in uh, the book of Hebrews. He brought the sacrifice of himself. How can I do uh, How could I do it? Just bring and uh, bring myself. I couldn't. He could. He's the son of God. You know, he's, he's different. He can do whatever he wants. So he took his blood. He brought it into the sanctuary just once. And it's, as it's written, once and for all. That's exciting. So the perfect high priest, the perfect sacrifice that is not, in, it's not needed to be repeated year after year. Once and for all. It's like the perfect Yom Kippur. What is missing? What is still, what we still need? That sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. Where did Jesus go, according to the book of Hebrews? It, into the heavenly Holy of Holies. The tabernacle and the temple here on this earth was nothing more than just a model or the shade or the shadow, just like something like a picture of the real thing. Yeshua, as the perfect high priest, with the perfect blood, came into the perfect in the real Holy of Holies. If it's not the liturgy for worship, praise liturgy for Yom Kippur, what is? It's perfect atonement. And again, if you read it, it's always there in plural. It's about us. Think about this. And now, coming back to what, we, uh, what we're going to celebrate now, uh, Yom Kippur, I'm, sometimes I'm asked, why are you celebrating Yom Kippur? Or why are you fasting? Why are you praying? You're already forgiven. Everything is good with you. We need, if, you, if we sin, we need to repent any day we sin, right? So why this day? Jesus already did everything for you. Yes. But it's not just about me. It's about the people I passionately want salvation for. You see, I just like, it's not about tonight, through tomorrow night, it's not just about me. In fact, it's almost not about me at all, because I have the book of Hebrews. It's about the people. So the people are gathering themselves in, the, in synagogues and they pray. And five times during these 25 hours, they do special prayer that is, uh, uh, that is 
called like the prayer of repentance and we beat ourselves in the chest and we say forgive us for this and for that and for this sin and for that sin and when i say it i i think sometimes i never done it praise god <laughs> i never did this sin why i say forgive us because it's not about me i'm part of the people and i intercede for the people the same like a great prophet daniel did in babylon he was praying for the people and he was saying forgive us so we sinned he never done it he never did it and he prayed this uh, prayer so what i'm for me yom kippur is a very important day with the hope that the messiah will touch the hearts of the jewish people and will grant the national redemption, national atonement for these people. As he will, because this is the eschatological end times meaning of Yom Kippur, the national atonement and redemption or forgiveness of sin for Israel. And now when I stand and pray with my, uh, with my people, look what I'm doing. I lead them. I lead them to the Messiah, but not from the outside. Like, push. I lead them from within. If we are forgiven, it's not that we are to separate ourselves from our people. And now I'm talking about Jewish people, but also I'm talking, when I'm talking to you, I talk about your families, your state, city, country. Just change them. Let's change our people from within. We learn to separate ourselves so much in they and us. But when it comes to the, the redemption and to the atonement, it's not necessary them and us. It's forgive us. We transform the nation we belong to from within. We can do it by good deeds and by political activities. But how much more we can do it through our daily holiness and our daily prayer and especially in certain times we transform it from within as uh, as the apostle paul was writing that the believing wife can sanctify the unbelieving husband and that's why the children are holy because of the wife even without saying much unbelievable there is working of our holiness and importation of our redemption and our holiness on those people around us. Sometimes I think about this in, in the way I enter the store and the God's holiness <laughs> comes there. As the Apostle Paul was writing, we care the glory of God and His light in us. And it means Wherever you come, Jesus comes with you.
you bring Jesus even before you open your mouth. And if you open your mouth, it's even better, depending what you say, <laughs> of course. Anyway, I can talk much about that, but I would kindly ask you to pray for the Jewish people to receive the high priest with the perfect sacrifice who entered the, the Holy of Holies in the heaven. And after he entered, and that's an excellent part of all this, he, said, he opened that for all of us. As the book of Hebrews says, we can enter anytime with boldness. In the Jewish tradition, when the Yom Kippur begins, the ark, we open the ark of the Torah, and it's called like the ark, it's like the Holy of Holies, so the sort of, it's like, you know, like some illustration. And it, it stands open more than any other day of the, of the year or any Shabbat of the year. And when the feast is coming to the end, after Yom Kippur, when Yom Kippur ends, we slowly, with the sound of shofar, we close the ark, so-called the ark of the covenant, the ark where the Torah is placed. It means the entrance to God's presence is now over. And it's a very solemn moment, but also very tragic. The Yom Kippur that we see in the Bible, in the book of Hebrews, the calendar day is over, but the doors are still open. And I want the Jewish people as well as everybody else in this world to recognize it, to acknowledge that, to experience that. So pray for the Jewish people, particularly from this uh, Sunday night through Monday night tomorrow. Thank you. And now I have 10 minutes for questions and for just disagreements, please. Yes. familiar with um, all of your work. I'm fairly new to this church. But um, as far as the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, do you know Yael? Mm -hmm. Oh, good, so do I. And um, in supporting all of that, um, I was wondering, what is your feeling on the program that they have, you know, the flight of eagles, where, where people who have been stranded in Ukraine and in different areas of the world are helped as Jewish people to go back to Israel, and then also the programs that support the orphans and the widows, as you know, the Lord says, true religion is to take care of orphans and widows in their distress and to keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Um, does your organization then work with them? Because I feel that there is such a need for, for what you are speaking about, Yes, we have to take care of the, the needs of the people. And first, you know, you, can't, you have to feed a person so their ears are open, correct? Well, yes. And in Jewish, again, in Jewish mindset, if there is yes, there is always but. And but is not a contradiction, but a compliment, okay? So God called us to help those in need. But it's not all what we should do. The Jewish people, they need to follow the Messiah. 
that Jesus is not just for Christians, not just for Gentiles. So we need to bridge the gap between the Jewish people and their Messiah. Because the Jewish people are the people of the Messiah. It's his people. So it's like two shores. Jesus is here. The Jewish people are there. We need to build a bridge for Jesus and his people, Israel, to meet together, you know? So we do both. We help. We work with Holocaust survivors. We help those in need in, in Ukraine. And we help Jewish people to uh, come to Israel. So it's, it's all good. But we also want to emphasize actively, proactively even, that Yeshua, Jesus, is the salvation of Israel, most and foremost. Oh, first of all. I mean, he loves everybody. Don't misunderstand me. But his love to the Jewish people is the, like, the argument, the proof of his love to everybody. Because if he would abandon the Jewish people, and the gospel would not be for the Jewish people, how could you trust him then? Thank you for your question. Anything else? Yes, please. Vladimir, um, since the uh, Day of Atonement originally required the sacrifice of the bulls and the goats, it's, um, and there's no temple now, how do Jewish believers deal with that? <laughs> they don't have a forgiveness of their sins. Uh, it's, a, it's a great point. Uh, I did, uh, at Dallas Seminary last uh, Tuesday, I did a seminar, like eat and talk discussion, the brown bag, uh, that was entitled, Blood or No Blood? That is the question. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, and the thing uh, was, I was challenging the students. Is, there is it possible to, be, to receive the forgiveness of sin without the sacrifice? And, the, and, uh, and we, I was playing like a devil's advocate. But, it's, but just think of, uh, about this. The Jewish people who used to live in the diaspora, even in dispersion, before the time of Jesus and during uh, the apostolic times, but before Jesus died, let's say, uh, how they could be saved far away from the temple. As Solomon was praying for the, uh, for, the Jewish, for, the, for the temple, he said, if the Jewish people will be dispersed all over and in the foreign land, they will turn to this place, to this temple, and they will come to the healthy, to a healthy, just idea to repent. And they will turn to the temple and will repent, forgive them. No sacrifice uh, mentioned. The thing is, sacrifice was ordained by God as the means. But sacrifice, according to the book of Hebrews, never granted the forgiveness. It was just a reminder that we are sinners and we need a sacrifice. But godly people before 
Yeshua was born, raised and died for our sin and rose from the dead, they could be forgiven even without bringing the sacrifice. How? Well, they, by, we can say by what Jesus did for them later, right? But it means that our, like our heart disposition, bringing us back to God, can help in this regard. So, uh, Jewish people today, they need Jesus. When they celebrate Yom Kippur, they say that the prayer uh, replaces the sacrifice. When we don't have a uh, temple, we cannot, uh, we, cannot, uh, we cannot bring the sacrifice. When we uh, cannot bring the sacrifice, God provides something else, namely uh, the prayer. So in, we read Leviticus chapter 16, the service in the temple. And we believe that the sin is forgiven because we participate in that. Humbling ourselves, repentance, return to, uh, to God, to his ways, return to the Torah, helps us with that. We need God's grace. Grace is a big thing in Judaism. And I have great compassion in this regard to the Jewish, uh, to the Jewish people. Because the only thing is missing is the perfect high priest with the perfect blood in the perfect sanctuary. So, uh, the desire is there and Jesus is waiting. Yeshua, the Messiah of Israel, is waiting. And by the way, I mentioned this uh, ribbon that was getting white. Do you remember? The Babylonian Talmud says, the rabbis of, the, of old said, 40 years before the destruction of the temple, the ribbon never turn white again. And they make the conclusion, God has stopped receiving the scapegoat offering for Yom Kippur. 40 years because, before the destruction of the temple, about 70 AD minus 40. It gives us the time when Yeshua died on the cross. Everybody needs Yeshua. And that's why I ask you to pray him. There is no other sacrifice for Yom Kippur given to the man, just Yeshua. To the Jew first, but also to everybody else. Please. Before Yeshua, before Jesus? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, before, uh, before Jesus died for our sin, we don't know what was their terminology in this regard and how they believed it. There are different theologians say differently. Uh, we will get our chance to ask Abraham and David, and some, uh, some others. The most important thing is that we get there. And that's because of Yeshua. Otherwise, to discuss this issue in depth, we need a couple of hours.
<laughs> no, seriously, I cannot answer just with yes and no because it's more, uh, it requires more ex extended answer. Hello, my name is Eugenia Son. Uh, I'm new to this church. Um, I've been uh, uh, praying for uh, Israel uh, about uh, uh, 10 years or more. And uh, for some reason, uh, I thought that uh, there, are, there are not that many uh, Jewish people in Germany. Uh, your mission field is in Germany, and I'm curious about what's the percentage of Jewish people in uh, Germany compared to all around. I thought that Russia is the uh, the highest in percentage. I don't know whether it still is, but I'm just curious about how many uh, Jewish people in Germany and how many Messianic uh, Jewish people. Good question, thank you. And welcome to the church, it's a good church and uh, uh, this class is even better. <laughs> <laughs> the church is good because of the marathon class, okay? <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody at all, but I just like, it's my personal opinion, okay? <laughs> uh, there are more than 300,000, probably like around 400,000 uh, Jewish people in Germany. Not necessary, uh, they are not necessary part of the Jewish community. And with the Jewish people, I mean those who fall under the law of return, so at least one Jewish grandparent. So I would say uh, the number is pretty substantial, and it's uh, the third largest Jewish population in Europe or in Western Europe. Uh, first is France, then UK, and then uh, Germany. Mostly because of the uh, immigrants, German Jewish community was not ex almost in non-existence after the Holocaust, probably 30,000. And then the German government opened the doors for so-called Russian Jews, Jewish people from the former Soviet Union, to come uh, to Germany in 1990s. So about 300,000 uh, Jewish people and their family members came over period of 10 years. So can you imagine 10 times growth of the Jewish population in 10 years? Uh, but also many Israelis moving uh, to Germany, they love living in Germany. It's Europe, education, uh, career opportunities. Uh, about uh, 100,000 Israelis have German citizenship. Uh, and also there are Jewish people from other uh, nations. The Messianic movement in Germany is not as, as large as I wish it would, but nothing is enough for me anyway. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's probably like uh, around between 40 and 50 Messianic congregations and groups in Germany. What makes Germany pro Germany's Messianic community the largest in uh, Western Europe? Uh, and I'm glad to be a, a part of that and be at the, uh, to be that we were at the beginning of all this, of this uh, revival in 1990s and early 2000. Uh, 
But my, uh, my ministry and our ministry is not just in Germany. I'm also overseeing ministry uh, in Ukraine and uh, in other European countries as well as we are growing this ministry in other parts of the world. And uh, I would, if you don't, if you are not familiar with our ministry, please give me your name and uh, some contact information and free of charge, you will receive some information that you can always stop receiving. And it's not much to read. We are not going to fill your mailbox or email uh, inbox. Uh, it's just like something once a month, okay? Little to read. Like prayer, my prayer letter is probably, uh, what is that? It's like a little bit more than half a page. It's not much to read, but we can keep in touch. And uh, you could pray for us. And by praying for us, being part of this, I think, blessed adventure that we are on, sharing the gospel with the Jewish people and changing the world by sharing this gospel. Thank you very much for your, for your love sometimes with me, and it's great to be with you, and be blessed in Jewish holidays. traditionally do the ironic blessing. Oh, really? The class. Why don't you do it in Hebrew? Uh, and you in English. Okay. Good. Deal. Uh, would you stand up if you can? <laughs> ironic benediction is usually said in Hebrew with everybody standing, everybody who can stand. Yeverhecha Adonai Vishmerecha. Yaer Adonai Panav Elecha Vihunecha. Isadonai Panav Elecha. Veyasemlecha Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you, buddy. Thank you.